right, all right. Good morning, good morning. Come on, today, I'm excited about today. I'm glad that you're all here. If this is your first time here, I do want to say you picked an incredible day to come. I think that, uh, man, just, just a good, good kind of new chapter in what's going on for this year uh, with this new series. And, uh, but before we get into that, I wanted to bring a couple of uh, attention to a couple of things. Number one is uh, the, the very, very important day that we have tomorrow. Uh, many of you know, some of you don't, but I just wanted to bring attention to that uh, for you to be in prayer for, uh, for the Tigers of Louisiana. All right, that's right. Come on, kind of a big day. Big day. Been praying against the uh, the fake tigers, the Clemson. I don't know what they got going on. They even they even call it I think it's a uh, Death Valley, right? I think <laughs> No, it's not Death Valley. <laughs> got a couple Clemson fans in the house today and um, sorry, I'm trumping you today. Come on. I got some special socks that I'm going to be wearing um, uh, tomorrow all day. Uh, the tiger socks. Um, I've got a really weird eclectic outfit that I've got chosen specific, specifically for tomorrow night. So uh, doing all the things I can do to help out my team from the house. But um, <laughs> y'all remember last time when Bama played LSU, the next day I had to preach and I didn't have a voice. I literally yelled. Some of you guys are at the house. I was like literally two of fumbles and I'm like at the screen. Rawr! And I was like, ooh, that was bad. And the next day I'm like, I got a frog in my throat. So, so hopefully I'll have time to recover, <laughs> recover before next Sunday. But uh, exciting times. So, but no, no, really the, the thing that I really want to talk about is uh, kind of what's coming up um, next week. So every third Sunday, we do something called Next Steps Class. And this is for those of you who are, again, maybe it's your first time here, but even if you've been here for a few months and you're kind of kicking the tires and you're like, I, I kind of would like to know a little bit more about the church or I want to get involved, maybe you want to get on a team or, or kind of find out more about small groups or whatever the case is, this would be an incredible spot for you to be at next week. Uh, we do it after both services. So immediately following the first service, it's about 45 minutes, just if you go through these doors and take a left um, at both services. If you have kids in the kids ministry, you can leave them in there. They're probably having more fun anyway and they're disappointed whenever you show up. So they'd be happy to stay there a little bit longer with their friends. But uh, this is what we do in the class. We, we wanna give you a heads up and let you know who we are, what we're doing and how you can be a part. And it's very simple, pretty direct. Most of you in this room have been through that class at some point. And, uh, and so it's very beneficial for you to know, well, you get to, you know, I get to meet you and, and then you kind of get to hear my heart about the church and kind of what we're doing and where we're headed. And uh, so it's, it's always a good time. But again, if you're, you're sort of interested in getting to know what's going on, that is your next step. And so put it on your calendar, whatever you got to do. Uh, you know, if you're married, I'm talking to the women right now because the men are going to forget by uh, 30 minutes from now. So put it in your calendar so you can remind your husband, okay? But, uh, but next week would be a great time. I'd love to meet you and see you there, all right? So don't miss it. We've been looking forward to this series, been, been looking to, for it for a, a few months now. And um, so I'm excited today to get to share this with you. I, I really believe that this is sort of um, gonna set the trajectory for not only this series, but I really believe that today's a big day for a lot of you individually for your life. Um, I, I don't say that too much, but I, I really think that, that what we're going to talk about today has, um, has major implications for the way that you think and you approach your past. That's what we're going to be talking about. Because when we talk about don't miss it, the subtitle is, is how to have the best year ever. Now, um, just as a show of hands real quick, how many optimists do I have in the room with me right now? Come on. Man, look at all those. Man, good for you. Good for you. Where's all my negative people at? Where are you at? 
there, you're my people. <laughs> there you are. You know, <laughs> so, so whenever you hear the phrase, how to have the best year ever, if you're an optimist, you tend to be like, yes, like, woohoo, we're going to have the best year ever. And all of the realists, um, you're like, <laughs> you're like, oh, come on, man. Don't throw that stuff at me. You know, like, give me something real. <clears throat> and so I'm preaching to myself as much as I am to you today. All right. How to have the best year ever. I think that there's some things that go into having a really good year. But I can tell you this, it starts with a day because a year is just a collection of days. And I know that you guys know that, okay? But sometimes we think of it in these big blocks, these big years, but it's really just a bunch of small segments. But one year is like a day in a year in regards to our life. Our life is just a collection of a bunch of years. And so really, truly, our, our, our life is made up of a bunch of small decisions and moments and experiences. That, and those collections, they come together and we have a life. And I know this, that each and every one of us, at the end of our life, we want to look back and we want to be able to say that we lived a life that mattered. I don't know about you. I, I say that phrase a lot for my, my own self. Like, I mean, before I come out and, and teach, I pray, I'm like, God, would you just help me to say something that matters? You know, because a lot of people say a lot of things, but man, are we talking about stuff that matters? And, and at the end of our life, man, everybody's living lives, but we want to live lives that matter. And so it's so important that we are looking at it with our, our eyes wide open and approaching it with the proper uh, perspective, because a lot of us have skewed perspectives. And so when we talk about don't missing it, we're talking about not missing our lives, not missing those moments. And so we want to look back and, and say that we lived a life that mattered, um, and we also don't want to look back and say, man, I, uh, I kind of let life pass me by. You know, I've got an eight-year-old and a two-year-old. And uh, this morning, I was coming in the office uh, here in the, in the back, and my two-year-old was in there, and she saw me for the first time today, and she, she ran up, and she's like, Daddy! You know, she's in that, that age where just everything's super exciting, you know, like, Dad, somebody walks in the room, and she like forgot that you were in the house. I don't know, but you know, so she runs up and, and um, so I picked her up and, and I was thinking, man, I don't want to take for granted these moments. Little girl running up, excited to see me. I got an eight-year-old and uh, she's, she's kind of more refined now in her eight-year-oldness, um, but she still gets super excited. This weekend, she got to hang out with her Nana and go to a movie and had a friend. And she was, she was so excited that she was jumping up and down in, her, in the house. Like, I'm so excited that I get to do this and blah, 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 blah. And I'm sitting there just like, I wish I had that, you know? Like that just, you know, then we get old and we start getting cynical and sarcastic and we never look forward to anything, you know? We need that eight-year-old part of us to come back alive. But, you know, these moments, I don't want to miss them. I don't want to take them for granted. And I believe that this year, we can sort of change the way that we think about our todays. And it really will change the way that we see our tomorrows. But we all encounter situations that can cause us to miss it. Every single one of us in this room, we have, we are, and we will encounter situations that seek to distract us and get us off track. And it's really why I think the words of Jesus are so important in the book of Matthew. I want to read this scripture out of the NIV first, and then I'm going to read it in the message paraphrase. But these are the words of Jesus, and it's a command, all right? And I think that as Americans, we need to hear this. This is what he said. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Right there, we could just stop. You've been commanded. 
right? Jesus has said, listen up. There's something important I gotta tell you. Don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. <laughs> Some of you have never even thought that thought before, you know? It's like, wow, I've never thought, you know, from that angle. He goes on, he says, each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, I believe that those of you in the room today who are a little bit more, you're older, you're more experienced, you read these words and there's a deep part of you that connects with that. You're like, yep, that's one thing I've learned is over the years, every day has got something new. Don't reach out and grab tomorrow and pull it into today, right? But as young people, we tend to forget about that, right? We're like, we've planned out our whole life. You know, we know how much money we're gonna make, where we're gonna retire, you know, what age we're gonna be when we retire, where we're gonna live after that. We've got everything planned out. And then one bad day in the economy, and we're like, oh no, we freak out. You know, Jesus is like, slow down. This is how the message paraphrase puts it. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow, right? Don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. And then he says, God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Doesn't that, for some of you, just kind of take a little bit of pressure off these words, this, this truth of chill out, <laughs> calm down. You know, I think America needs to hear that. We're about to go into election season, right? Oh, here we go. Get all worked up, getting all, I mean, just like everything hinges upon this right here. If I've heard, I mean, I've heard this like every single election. This is the one. This is the hinge pin of history. And I'm like, man, I just think that maybe we're like overemphasizing something a little bit. We're forgetting what happened like, you know, eight years ago and then like 28 years ago. And I mean, you could just go back and it's like, I think we need to hear these words sometime. Slow down. So today we're going to talk about how we cannot miss it, not miss our lives, not miss the moment, not miss what God is doing despite our past, our present and our future. Today is about our past. How can we not miss it, not miss our life, not miss what God is doing because of our past? There's a great quote from a Christian philosopher. He says this, life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. So right now we stand in the beginning of 2020 and you look back and you understand 2019 with much clarity, just like you did last year when you stood up in 2019 and you understood 2018, but you had no idea what 2019 had. And we stand here today not knowing truly what 2020 has in store, right? Because that's the way that we live our life. And that might be kind of obvious, but sometimes we forget about it, man. But we reach back in the past and hindsight's 2020, and then we can pull that into today or, or project it into the future. Now, this is another obvious statement, but needs to be said. Every single person in this room today has a past, all of us. Some have a longer past than others, okay? But we all have a past, and some people's past has a lot more uh, difficult situations than others, but it doesn't matter. And, and I think it's really important for a lot of you in here who are maybe newer or, again, first time, because there's a, there's a trap where when you come into a church, you feel like you're the only one. You feel like you're the only person who has baggage attached to your life, and there, there's some emotions that can come into play and so right now, I want to just dispel that in the room. If you're watching online, same thing. Like, 
everybody's got a past. Everybody's got some things that maybe they wish did, did or did not happen. So you find yourself in good company today, okay? But when we look at our past, it's kind of an amoral thing. But again, when we talk about optimist or pessimist or you know, positive and negative, some people have rose-colored lenses on. The, uh, the good old days people, right? The, the, the back of the day, man, things were so good. Or, or maybe you had a lot of good things happen in your life and so you're always living in the past from like this romanticized kind of mindset where everything's good. I think it's funny sometimes when people say, man, we just gotta get back to the good old days. Like back in like the, the 20s and the 30s. And I'm like, like style wise or, or like no air condition wise? Like what are you talking about? Cause like that wasn't no good time, I don't think. You know, I mean, <laughs> Like, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm glad that we're in 2020, all right? I mean, also, I mean, in society, some people, they romanticize the good old days. And I'm like, I mean, which part of the good old days are you talking about? My dad tells me stories about back in the 60s whenever he was getting raised up. And I'm like, I mean, it was, I guess some, I mean, we didn't have the internet, which I think kind of helped people. But dude, in society, it was a mess, man. Like there's more health and, and honestly, there's more unity in a lot of ways today than there honestly has ever been in a lot of ways. Now I know that there's some other things, but if not careful, you know, we're, we're all romanticized in the past and we miss what's going on today. And so there's a lot of wonderful things about what's going on today. And we, we just got to realize that, man. Wars where you had hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people being killed and murdered. I mean, it, it's not as bad in certain areas as it used to be. And so I'm just saying, like, let's not romanticize. But here's the deal. Some people, they demonize it. They demonize their life. They demonize their past. They demonize everything. And it's always negative. It's, man, you just don't know my story, you know. And, and, you know, something went wrong. And so you discount all of the good because that one thing went wrong. And that's also a trap. And all of us, we find ourselves in that category, we do, one of those, where it's like, I'm either romanticizing it or demonizing it, right? But no matter what your past looks like, I believe that this is an important question to ask as we move forward in this message is, am I living in the past? Am I living in it? That's a, that's a catchphrase a lot of people say, man, you're just living in the past. But you know you can. You can live in what happened, not what's happening, not what's gonna happen. So it's an important question to ask because of this truth, which is just sort of the first point of the day. Am I living in the past because Satan wants to exploit our past? It's what he does. For every person in the room, believer, non-believer, skeptic, it doesn't matter. The enemy, one of the things that he does very well is he exploits what's happening or happened to and, and brings it into today. He wants to exploit your past. And whenever we talk about that, I think that that's even, there, there's two categories of that, all right? I think that he wants to exploit the positive and that can create some negative things in our life. And this is what I mean. Some people live in the past and they live on all their past accomplishments. They live on the stuff that they've done and they stand strong on it. And they were like, you know what? I was a good dad, terrible and everything else. <laughs> <laughs> I was a good dad though. And they hold on to that one thing. And then sometimes you'll hear this. And I'm just using this one example for right now, but it's like, man, you know, I was a good dad, but you know what? Man, they're out the house now. They could do whatever they want. 
And it's like, wait, wait, wait. You never stop being dad. Like your relationship might change, but the amount of influence and authority and wisdom that you have that you're able to offer to your kids, that never stops. I lean into my dad more now at 35 than I did when I was 15, without a doubt, right? Why? Because he never stopped being my dad, all right? And so that's just one example where you can kind of get apathetic, you can get lazy, and you can kind of switch the light switch off, like, well, I'm done with that. And you can get apathetic. Maybe you, you really did well in business, you know, you, you, built a, you built a business and then you retired at 40. <laughs> I don't know. And now you just live this apathetic life. Well, what about now? Like, what's, what's going on now? Because this is one thing I know about that, is that if I fall into apathy, an apathetic mindset, it usually doesn't just stay in one category. It usually spreads into others. So I may be apathetic in my family, and then I get apathetic in my finances, and then I get apathetic in my faith. Right? Like, apathy is is something that the enemy can, or that can be produced in our life when the enemy exploits our past in the positive. Well, what about the negative? Because that's honestly where most of us are at. The negative. The enemy wants to reach back in our past and exploit, use something for his advantage against us. He wants to exploit something that has happened to us. And in this, there's two categories. Number one is things that you've done. He wants to exploit things that you've done and use it for his advantage against you. Maybe you were a person who you lied. You've got regrets around how truthful you were in certain seasons of your life. Maybe, maybe you abused somebody emotionally, verbally, physically. You were the instigator of pain. And that responsibility rests on your shoulders. And so here you are, it might be a week ago, it might be a year ago, it might be 20 years ago, but you bear the weight of that shame and that guilt for what you did. Some of you had crazy high school and college age experiences. You did crazy stuff and and you look back on those years and it's like a weight that falls on you because you're like, man, how many people did I affect? How many people did I hurt acting like an idiot? And you just carry this shame on you. That's what the enemy does when he exploits our past. He just holds it over our head. And it produces a lot of negative things in our life. Shame, guilt, condemnation. I believe that that's a very real thing for people who come into this room every single week. Many of you in this place. It's like, man, I'd love to not have limp hands and, and not worship, right? But I feel such unworthiness and I feel such shame for who I am and what I've done that I just, I just feel like I just need to go crawl in a corner and be quiet. I don't know that God would even receive worship from me or, or hear a prayer that I have to offer because of the amount of shame that you have in your heart. That's something that, that's what it looks like whenever the enemy is exploiting your past the thing about shame and guilt in that arena of your life is that it doesn't decrease with time. It actually increases, it gets worse. It's like a cancer. You don't just ignore it and it goes away, it spreads. So some of you, you've been ignoring and, and just shoving things under the rug of your life and that bump in the rug is just getting bigger. You know, and you're tripping over it every time you go through the living room. You know. It's there, it's not going away. There's something that's gotta happen. So things that you've done, the enemy wants to exploit those and use those against you. But again, 
a lot of us find ourselves in the second category, which is this, the enemy wants to exploit things that have happened to us. And this is, a, this is like a mystery to me. This is something that I've always noticed and I've, I've always just wondered about. And it's kind of frustrating, which is this. A person who instigates pain on someone else, the abuser, the, the one that, that does it, right? The, the injustice towards someone, a lot of times has much less emotional baggage to deal with than the one that received it, right? I'll put it to you like this. In a marriage, this happens a lot. One spouse commits something against another, an offense against another. They lie, they cheat, whatever the case is. They abuse them verbally or physically, whatever happens, right? And then this person now has, they're carrying something because this person, even if they say, hey, I'm so sorry, and they repent or they ask forgiveness or I'm gonna do whatever it takes to make it up to you, they release it. They kind of offload that weight They've done what they can do, apologize. But the person that has received that injustice now has this weight that they don't deserve, that they didn't instigate, but now they've got to deal with. And what you'll see sometimes in a marriage is it's not that initial offense that destroys the marriage, it's that other one. It's that rebound, it's that, that secondary one because that person is carrying such fear or lack of trust or pain or whatever, that then they reply to that initial offense with something that's equal or even greater. What is it about people that receive injustice or it's, it's done against them that they seem to have something that lasts longer in regards to pain, shame? The stats really say that in this place today, a lot of us have been abused in some way, shape, or form. Some way, shape, or form. There's a spectrum to it. And, and in that, what's always amazing in a negative sense is that someone who has been abused or misused would feel shame or guilt for something that was done to them in that way. They get isolated in their pain. Maybe they don't wanna let anybody know what's up, what happened. And so then they are carrying this by themselves, and nobody knows. That is one positive thing about the movement that we see in America, where it's like, I'm not covering this up anymore. I'm not gonna have fear and shame based on something that happened to me, right? But we get isolated in our pain and in our shame and, and then we begin to have guilt. I've talked to people before who, who somebody lied to them or maybe their marriage fell apart or something happened. And then they start in some way saying, well, maybe I should have done this different. If I wouldn't have done this, then they wouldn't have done that in the first place. And I stopped them right there because I'm like, you need, to, you need to realize and recognize what you're doing to yourself now. That you're beginning to take responsibility for something that you didn't do. Like, like, you might have done this, but you didn't deserve this. You know what I'm saying? Satan exploits our past and, and he begins to use shame and guilt against us. And one thing about shame is that it doesn't stop with just shame. It, it, this is a, a quote from a, an article about shame. It says this, shame is the gateway drug to envy, anger, rage, and anxiety. And it can also lead and result 
in sadness, depression, depletion, loneliness, and emptiness. Many of you, this is your story right here. Like you look back and you're like, that's exactly what's happened to me. And again, there's a spectrum. There's a spectrum to it. For some of you, it might have not been extreme abuse. It might have been neglect. The family is under attack in our nation, in society, right? It, it, it always has been, but it's, it's in a fresh way in the last 50 years or so, the depletion of the, the nuclear family, mom and dad. And, and the results of that pain, more than half of us in this room have been affected by divorce, right? The effects of that stem out and affect us in a lot of different ways. And sometimes we're not aware of how it is, is affecting us until we're older. And we're actually able to look back and see, oh my goodness, when my dad said that, when my mom did that, I see now that in my, in my current situation, I'm doing the same thing. Or I've pulled from that experience and I'm, I'm placing it into today. These are real situations, y'all. This is, a, this is a real fight because it's the enemy exploiting our past, things that have happened to us. So where we experience shame and guilt, it can open up into insecurity from all the rejection that we've experienced. Because let's be honest, something that's happened to us in the past, it's very difficult to just ignore it and act like it didn't happen and then have a perfect present. We have the inability to do that on our own, just to like ignore it. Like now I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do it right. Some people say, like, I'm not gonna be like my dad. I will not be like my dad. And then you're 40 and you're like, I'm exactly like my dad. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mirror image of him. Right, because we don't have the inability to be, to be different. We don't. It creates insecurity in us. Some people think that because somebody looks really confident, they poke their chest out, right? They're like the guy that's like, you know, taking all the shots or they're the, they're the girl that's always cracking jokes or they always seem so happy. They think that that person's very secure in themselves. And many times you'll find that a person who's kind of the life of the party tends to be the one that has the most insecurity, so it's not even about how we act and whether we're covering, you know, doing a good job of covering it up. We got to go deeper than just our conduct and how it looks on the outside. Some people have great pain because of how they've been rejected. Bitterness. Bitterness is a result of unforgiveness where you just harbor something. And, and sometimes it's justified. Most people who have bitterness in them, it's because somebody did something to them. Again, the person that did it to them I'm sorry, or maybe they never say sorry. Either way, there can still be a root of unforgiveness that just, it's roots into, this, into the, our soul, into our heart. And we never release, we never let go, and bitterness seeps in. And now we're the one carrying it around. They're living life. They've moved on. Some of you, you have bitterness towards someone that's even passed away. It's still there. And maybe you've even said words like, I'll never forgive them. I'll, I'll never be able to forgive them. I wanna lovingly encourage you to just revisit that. Revisit it today because the enemy's trying to exploit what happened to you. Disappointments that you've experienced. It could be tragedy. It could be just repetitive disappointment from your parents or if your job or, or a relationship where people have just misused you and broken your trust. And now you deal with anger and sadness because of that. I would never minimize tragedy in someone's life. 
The process of grief is one that is each person's journey of how to deal with something that's happened to them or something that's happened to someone else that's close to them. But I can tell you this, I'm not gonna tell you how you should feel and how you should act when you're walking through grief, but I will tell you that the enemy wants to anchor you to that grief. He wants to anchor you to that tragedy, to that disappointment, and he wants to keep you encased in that. And he wants to destroy you because of it. He exploits the good things, he exploits the bad things, he exploits the things that we've done, and he exploits the things that have been done to us. John 10, 10 says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's God's plan for your life. It don't matter what you think. It don't matter what your plan is. It don't matter what you think somebody else's plan was for you. Put all that aside. The Bible says that Jesus came so you can have life and have it abundantly. And I believe that Jesus is talking about life, not just eternity, although that is the greater timeline, okay? But it's now and eternity. He wants you to experience life abundantly because when Satan the accuser exploits your past, it leaves you broken, weak, and incapable of truly living the life meant for you to live incapable. And that's what I say. You have an, an incapacity. You don't have the capacity to live a life of fullness, of, of, of hope, of joy, of tr all those true things. We talked about this in December, true hope, true joy, true peace. You have an inability to live that on your own. So where the enemy wants to exploit your past, this is the hope. This is the punchline. Christ can redeem your past. You need to hear that. Come on. Where the enemy is going to exploit every single one of our pasts, it doesn't matter, believer, non-believer, Christ has the ability, he can, based on what he has done, he can redeem it. He can actually give value to the pain. He can give purpose to the pain where you don't have any reasons, I don't know why, I don't know why, Jesus can renovate that. Now, here's, here's, here's the picture. And I wanna start by reading the scripture out of 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You're new in Christ as a believer. It's new, you're a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, I believe this. I believe there's a couple of different meanings to the old that we need to think about. Number one is that the old man whose condition is sinful, born in sin, the old man in Christ, for those who are in Christ, that old man is done. He's been defeated, right? Sin has been defeated. But also I believe that we can look and say that our past, the old has passed away. Now here's the deal. The things that have happened in your past, even if you believe in Jesus and you receive him as savior, that doesn't mean that the past magically disappears, right? Like, oh, I don't even remember what happened. I'm brainwashed, right? Like, oh, you know, my daddy, oh, he's, he was there again and I love him and everything's good. No, that is not a reality. 
And I think some people think that when they come to Christ, like all of a sudden, all that pain is just, it disappears. It's not about it being dis- disappearing. It's about your focus and your heart and your life being lived with a focus on something that is greater than that pain, greater than that shame. And it's Jesus. So where this right here, this is a problem that I, I've grown up with or, or something that happened to me. If you're a perfectionist in the room, you're stuck on, I want to fix this. I got to do something to fix this. I, I, you know, I got I to work this out so that way I can move on to something else. That, that in Christ, what we're really doing is we're taking our eyes off of that issue. Is it still there even though I'm not looking at it? Yep. Taking my eyes off of that and I'm looking at Jesus. And by looking at him, all of those things are renovated. Those problems actually then, they become the right size in my life, right? Small, insignificant in comparison to something much greater. I'm gonna go ahead and swap mics because I don't know what's going on with this thing. So for some of you, you feel like you have an inability to move forward in life until these things are dealt with. And, and I really believe that that perspective probably needs to change for some of you, which is you need to stop trying to fix it and you need to look to the one who can fix it, right? You, you, you've got you to lift your eyes up. You've got to lift your heart up to something greater because Christ redeems our past. Some of you need to hear this. When Jesus redeemed you, he also redeemed your past. He redeemed it. He changed it. And what happens is then you no longer have to live in fear or shame or guilt. Because here's the deal. Jesus has taken on that shame. He's taken on that fear, that guilt on himself. The Bible says that Jesus became sin. He became it on the cross He became sin. He took it on himself and he died. And what he did is he took the penalty of sin away from us and he took the power of sin away from sin and death. He he, he took it all on himself and he died and he paid the price for it. So now that shame that, that gets directed towards us because of our past, it no longer can land on us. Right, sticks and stones break my bones. Words never hurt me. Right, we know that's a lie. It does hurt. But what I'm saying is, the enemy's words try to try to manipulate and stick and break us. But whenever we bring truth into the equation, it bounces right off. It has nothing to stick to. Right. This is a big deal. The shame and the guilt that you experience. There's something greater that overcomes it. So how can we not miss what God is doing because of what has happened in the past? I think some of you are asking that question. Okay, man, I I don't wanna miss my life. I don't wanna miss today. I don't wanna miss what's what's coming, you know, because of what happened in my past, but but how I need something to sink my teeth into. First off, I would again anchor you to what we just said, that that would be the greater truth for you to continue to, to base anything that you do or say or believe off of is that Christ has redeemed your past. For believers in the room today, you've, you've put your faith in that, right? 
for unbelievers in the place today, maybe you're skeptic, maybe you're just kind of like, I'm not really sure about that. The offer still stands. God's grace is sufficient for anything that you have done. Anything. I mean anything. I literally mean any action, any word, anything. Do not, do not give the enemy more power than he has over you. Jesus is greater than that. But how can we do this? I think this is an important point. One main thing. We need to form a healthy perspective by renewing our minds. We have to change our perspective, the way that we are thinking and looking at our past in order to really be able to live in the present and to really be able to live in the future for what God is doing now, what he, y'all look, some of you, you couldn't actually see where God was at in the struggle in the moment, but now here you are a few years later and you're beginning to see like almost God, thank you for trusting me with that pain. Thank you for, for, for allowing me to go through that and being with me through it because now on the other side, I have a greater trust and faith and confidence in who you are, not who I am. Man, come on, that's a, that's a big revelation. But it's something that's available to us, this type of perspective. Now, with that, we have to know the truth of what God says about us. And that truth, knowing the truth comes from knowing the word of God. And the Bible says this, that the truth will set you free. The things that I'm saying today are truth based out of the word of God. And that truth has the ability to, to, to steal the power and the weight of the condemnation or the guilt from anything that you've experienced. That truth will set you free. And what does it sound like in your life whenever you've truly changed your perspective? Well, where there was once rejection, where you would think about someone rejecting you, now you realize that you're accepted. Now, here's the deal. If you were rejected growing up or you've been rejected by people in the last few years, it's not that rejection disappears, it's that the effects of it do. And you, because you realize that you were accepted into something greater, that you are a child of God, that's what we just sang that you realize that you are in the family of God. And so it, it, it overcomes and it overshadows any rejection that you've experienced. Where there was guilt, God's forgiveness sets us free. Some of you, you're walking through life with such guilt and condemnation. And today it's time that you would experience freedom. Where there was bitterness, you have the ability to forgive and allow healing to take place. Every time you think about that person, then there's an anger that arises in your heart. Man, I, I think you should look forward to the day whenever you can think about them and not have that in you. It can happen. It can, it can happen. That person that did that thing to you, that person that said that to you, that every time you think about them, you either do one or two things. You break in sadness or you rise up in anger. Jesus can heal you to such a place where it doesn't make what they did right. It, it doesn't change what they did. It changes you. And you're able to see it in a completely different perspective. God can heal you and you, you can forgive again. Where there was once shame, you now live in faith and confidence in Christ. Where your honor has been removed and all you feel is shame, Jesus took that on himself to restore honor back to your life and give you freedom. I wanna share a quick story with you. 
from a lady that comes to this church. She goes to our Long Beach location and her story is so powerful and I think that it's gonna help some of you today. So let's go ahead and watch this. I grew up in a loving home with a wonderful mother. I had a wonderful brother and sister and we just had the best time. We had a really close-knit family. I grew up with my mom in the home and my adoptive father and my brother and my sister. Those childhood years were, were interesting. My adoptive father um, abused us uh, as children. We were victims of incest. And it's really hard to explain to people because there was still joy, but there was always that dark cloud hanging over your head. And those years left me feeling um, broken and unworthy, like damaged goods. The, the only thing I really wanted to do was to just get out of the house. And there weren't many ways to get out of the house back then in the 70s. You either got married or you went to college. And so I got married. I was 16 years old. We knew each other just for a few months and I was married by 17. He um, gave me three amazing children through that marriage. Unfortunately, um, that marriage did not last. And uh, then there was a second marriage and then a fourth child. And um, that marriage didn't last either. And I just was at a point in my life where I thought, what else? There has to be something better. Those deep biblical roots from childhood began to call me. My grandfather was an awesome man. And he used to tell me, one of these days, he would say, you are going to listen to God and you're gonna do great things. And I knew that something had to give and something had to change. So I began to pray. I began to ask God to just help me find a church. I wanted to know Him and I wanted my life to be different. One day I was on my way to work and I noticed the Long Beach campus of Northwood being built. And I thought, hmm, it's awfully close to my house. I said, you know, Lord, is this gonna be it? So I pulled up the website and I watched a message. And that message was just for me. And I just wept and I said, God, I hear you loud and clear and I'm gonna go. And I knew when I walked in that day that I was home. Man, I just felt so free and so light. I was finally able for the first time in my whole life to forgive all that needed to be forgiven. I was finally able to find true peace. I was finally able to love. He healed the deepest, darkest corners of my heart. He truly made me whole. I see myself now as happier than I've ever been in my whole life. Blessed, loved, cherished, healthy and whole and so thankful to be a part of helping anyone else that is broken and suffering and sad find their freedom because there's hope. The Bible says in Romans 8.1, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation there's no shame, there's no power that the enemy holds because Jesus has destroyed the works of the enemy.
where he wants to kill, steal, and destroy, his literal ability to do that in the life of the believer has been overcome by something greater. Does that mean that we won't still experience things? No, it doesn't. But there is something greater in the future for some of us, a, a, a greater trust. There's something that overcomes that, and his name is Jesus. He is your hope. He is your peace. He's your victor. He is the one that has taken on, and he's burying all of that for us, and he died for us, and he's made a way to be healed. And I think it's so important that we look at this through two lenses. Number one is that we would put our hope and our faith in him. Some of you, you're at a place where you've been reserving certain parts of your life for yourself and, and you believe in Jesus, but you haven't surrendered to him. And in that, you know that you don't really have a relationship with him. I believe that every single one of you have come here today because you're looking for something. You've been, you've been drawn. We don't come to church for no reason. And today you're encountering this moment of, this is me, I've been pegged. I feel like God sees me right now and he knows exactly what's going on in my life for the first time in a long time. And what that should really draw out of us is surrender, is realizing his love and his grace for us. And I want you to experience that right now. I want you to understand that. God's already drawn you. He's already been drawing you. He's already been speaking truth to you in your heart while you're by yourself. And today's just a confirmation of that. So right here in this moment, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if that's you, you know that you're far from God, whether you've ever truly surrendered your life to him before or whether you've done it before, but it's been so long, there's no power in your relationship with God. There's no connection. It's just kind of what we would refer to as religion. Let's come back to the heart of God. Let's come back to his throne. Let's come back to his, his throne of grace and mercy. And the Bible says that we can draw near with confidence because of Jesus. So right now I wanna pray and you can repeat after me or you can pray your own prayer, but, but pray something like this to God. And I believe that he's gonna save you. Say, Jesus, I repent right now. And I ask you to forgive me, to heal me, God, I lay down all the things, the good things that I've done that have been so, I've, I've just worn them in public and I've let everybody know about them and then also the things that are terrible that I, would, I just hide. I bring all of those successes and failures to your feet. And God, I ask for you to forgive me. I place my trust, my hope in you. I surrender to you. I believe the truth of Jesus that he died on the cross for my sin, was raised to new life again for me to give me a hope and a future. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. I wanna do something that uh, we hardly ever do at this church, uh, but because I, I feel like we should do it. Um, what we talked about today is one of the most sensitive subjects to talk about. It's one of the most intense um, things, and it's also has the greatest impact, I believe, in people's life, which is what has happened in their past. And, and, and I wanna do something, and if you feel comfortable doing it, um, then, then I want you to do it, and it's this. I want everybody to stand up. And if you have experienced, I'm not gonna ask anybody to come to the front of the room, 
but, but everybody just kind of looking forward. Just if you've experienced something today that has really brought up some things in your life and you know, man, I've, I've been misused or I've been abused or I've been whatever and I am just overwhelmed right now. I, I wanna have a moment where we sort of respond to that and I believe that we are the body of Christ and I believe that we can pray for one another and support one another. And so if you feel comfortable, all that's gonna happen is the people to your right and your left and right behind you may just place a hand on your shoulder. But if you feel like you'd like some people to pray for you right now, I'm gonna pray for everyone. Just raise your hand and the people around you. Come on, just, just, just reach your hand towards them. Place your hand on their shoulder. We are the body of Christ. We're a community. That's right. It's a little different. Some of you have never done this, but if there's someone right there in front of you, if you're a believer, I want you just to reach your hand towards them. And we're going to pray for one another. We are the body of Christ, and there's people who are going through things. God, we come before you right now, each person, God, who has their hands raised right now. God, they all have a different story. They've all experienced different things. And Lord, we know based upon your word that the enemy wants to exploit that and probably has for many years. And right now we support and we agree with those people who have their raised raised hands right now. God, we pray for restoration. God, we pray for healing. God, we pray that where the enemy has been exploiting that and been holding them and anchoring them to their past, that today by the power of the cross, by the goodness of God, that those chains will be broken in the name of Jesus. What the enemy has meant for evil, God, we know that you redeem it through Jesus for good. And we thank you that where there was power that the enemy held, that is being released right now in the name of Jesus, in the authority of Christ. We thank you, Father, that there is gonna be a mark change in their lives. God, where the enemy continues to remind them that right now those darts are quenched by the shield of faith, by the helmet of of, of salvation, by the belt of truth that we are protected and equipped to overcome. So God, I pray for healing and restoration in each of these persons, these people's hearts right now. And I thank you that today is going to be a a marked change for them in the future. Today, we say it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for for listening. Thank you guys for responding, raising your hands. I believe that God's going to do a great work in many of your hearts. Amen? Amen. Come on, Pastor Stephen. Pastor Jordan, thank you so much for encouraging us in our faith. Hey, it's all good. And uh, for encouraging us in our faith and and also for leading us through that ministry moment. Um, You know, I think some of those moments are the most powerful moments that uh, we can have when we gather together is to just lay hands on one another and pray for one another. And so I'm just so thankful. I praise God for this church. Um, Yeah, so if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Jordan, if you uh, decided that you wanted to put your trust in Jesus, you surrendered your life to Jesus, you know that he is your hope, uh, what we want to do is we want to come alongside of you on your journey with Jesus. It's important that you have people on your team. It's important that you have people that are standing in your corner that are praying with you. And uh, one of the ways that that we would like to connect with you is by asking you to fill out this what's next card uh, that's in the seat pocket in the chair in front of you. And if you'll just take a look at that card, you can uh, select, hey, I I decided to follow Jesus and and give us uh, at least one option, one way to contact you, a phone number, an email, uh, just some way that we can reach out to you uh, this week and so that we can give you some next steps and and let you know what some... um, opportunities that you have are to grow in your relationship with Jesus. So we would love for you to do that. And, uh, and then also referring back to when uh, Pastor Jordan mentioned before service started uh, that if you're a guest here for the first time, maybe, maybe you filled out that card or would still like to fill out that card. Whether you prayed that prayer 
or you're a guest here with us for the first time, either way, if you filled this card out, please bring it to the next steps area in the back of the auditorium. We've got some friends back there that would love to talk with you, meet you, and, uh, and just help you out. If you don't have time to stop and have that conversation, just drop the card in one of the buckets on the way out the door, and uh, you'll, you'll, we'll be able to reach out to you just the same. So please do that. Uh, you know, Pastor Jordan, we, we, he just led us in that moment of prayer, and, and it is so uh, important that we, just, that we pray. But uh, if, if for some reason you didn't feel compelled to lift your hand and get some prayer in that moment, or you just feel like there's some things that are, that are left undone, you're, you're still carrying a burden, and you would like to lay that burden down here today at the feet of Jesus, please come to the front of this auditorium after uh, we wrap up here. And uh, we've got some people that want to pray with you and just uh, want to lift you up before the throne of grace. And so please avail yourself to that. Uh, a couple next, a couple other things I want to let you know about before uh, we get ready to transition out of here. We've got some missions coming up in 2020. We're super excited about our missions trips that are planned. If you'll go to the back of the auditorium, our missions coordinator here at Gulfport is back there, Mr. Marcio. He's ready to talk to you guys about any mission, uh, missions questions that you have. You can review the trips that are available to you, and you guys can start uh, praying about whether or not you'll be involved in one of those. And then also, uh, I don't know if, if you're aware of this, but the church is really so much more than a building. It's it's really a collection of people. And so we gather in large groups and we gather in small groups. And we're about to kick off our uh, 2020 uh, spring small group semester, which we're super excited about it. But in order to do that successfully, uh, we wanted to invite anybody who's interested in hosting a small group in their home, or if you're interested in leading a small group, will you please go back uh, to the back of the room, just to the left of the Next Steps area back there? You can't see, it's not really lit well, but our our small group coordinators, Warren and Jessica, are back there in the back of the room, and they want to give you some information about how you guys can be involved in creating those atmosphere where uh, life change can continue to happen in the lives of everybody that's here. So we hope you'll uh, participate in that. Uh, one other thing, I just want to encourage you, especially if you are a uh, somebody who considers Northwood Church your home church, we want to encourage you to continue to be faithful in your giving. We believe giving is an act of worship here at Northwood Church, and there's a variety of ways you can do it. Uh, we have our giving auto-drafted. It's super simple, uh, but you have op- options all the way down to just uh, throwing the money in the bucket on the way out the door. So uh, please just continue to be faithful in doing that. That money is used to build the kingdom of God, and we're just so grateful to be able to participate in that process. So Uh, Look, we are thankful for today. We believe that today was an incredible day where lives were changed. Uh, One last thing before we go, for all those who are excited about the Clemson LSU game, on behalf of everybody on both sides, it's kind of like go Tigers, right? So uh, you guys have an incredible week. We love you. We'll see you next time.